episode of Panel Perfect, we are joined by the very talented artist, writer, and director, Sabrina Cotunio, with our beautiful host, producer, and creator, Max Maleki. Oh, thank you, my friend. Thank you so much. How are you doing? How's uh, your beard doing? My beard's doing fine. I've actually, st I'm starting a new beard oil right now. It's uh, it's all natural, so no, uh, no synthetics, no alcohol. That's nice. more so it just doesn't catch on fire, but <laughs> that's, that's a serious, serious concern yeah. right now in Los Angeles. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> uh -huh, uh -huh. Yeah, I just moved here and I was like, yeah, yay, no more like, you know, no more thunderstorms or like tornadoes. And they're like, no. Oh, I wish we had a thunderstorm. Right? Yeah, yeah. no. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> but anyways, enough about the weather, um, as most do. We're here speaking with someone so awesome. Um, it's, uh, it's one of my favorite combinations I've started to find in the comic book world is animators going into comic books mm -hmm. uh it's it's so obviously you've got glass scientists you can find online which uh -huh. i highly recommend i just read through the Thank first you. issue and i'm hooked like a fish Thank you. um but yeah i'd love to start kind of going down the resume we also got we caught your first credited episode on star versus the evil uh the forces of evil forces of evil see it's a long title <laughs> but it's Honestly, that show has earned it. Like, that is... Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, so we have clearly a lot to talk about. We wanted yeah. to kind of start <laughs> off um, with the question that we kind of ask every guest on our show. So kind of walk us through, like, your history with comics. Like, when did you first start reading them? Do you have, like, a favorite book, a book that really got you into it? Oh, this is definitely going to expose me as a fake gamer girl. <laughs> um, I feel like my, like... I was raised by like novel reading parents, right? And so I feel like I did kind of grow up not reading as many comics because it was kind of seen as like, you know, a little bit of a lesser art form. I was like, oh, this like, you know, it's not very serious. Um, but I feel like I would always kind of dabble into various things. I was feel like I was kind of I was always kind of like half manga, half kind of like the indie section of comics right next to the manga, right? Like, um, oh my god. Um, one of my favorite comics growing up uh, was one called uh, Same Difference by Derek Kirk Kim, um, which was originally an online comic. Um, just kind of a slice of life story about like these two Asian American protagonists um, just having like a really chill story uh, with a lot of just kind of like natural banter. Um, and it just felt like really real people. Um, it's ironic because like I feel like in other types of fiction, I'm not necessarily drawn as much to like slice of life stories and I tend not to create them myself. Comics, I love a slice of life. I love a journal comic. I love just like chill stories for whatever reason. Um, so I feel like that's kind of like the half manga, half indie has kind of maintained my interest, you know, through present day. That's kind of where I naturally lean. Um, kind of just reading whatever. I feel like that's such a boring answer. Like, no. oh, and I read all kinds of things. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> How dare you like things? Uh, just like, you know, I just, I just love everything except, you know, rap and country music. That's, that's, <laughs> not, that's not even true. Um, so uh, I got to ask, have you read Fun Home or? Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Right. Yeah, I love Fun Home. Um, yeah, I love Alison Bechtel. Also, huge lady crush. <laughs> um, the, just that the photo on the back of the comic is just, like, boring into my soul. <laughs> um, but yeah, Fun Home is, like, so amazing. Um, I feel like the way it kind of uses imagery in is such a rich way um, is really, really wonderful. Um, also, made a really amazing Broadway play based off of it. Um, just, like, I feel like one of some of my favorite pieces of music um, come from that, like a really, really smart adaptation of that book. 
Um, so yeah, I love Alison Bechtel. Love a gay memoir, you oh know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, definitely. I mean, she, that, that that book was such a paradigm shifter for me because I was such a superhero comic book guy, uh-huh. and then I picked this book up, and at first I was like, oh god, just like oh another gay story, yada yada, and then just another. Ga- wait, were you? <laughs> Were you aware of other ones? Yeah, well, so not as far as comic books, but like growing up, you know, it was so I grew up very midwestern, so uh-huh. you know, very white town, very closeted, so like, or not not even closet, but just closed off, yeah, closed minded, and so like, um, Stone Butch Blues is a book I picked up really early on, oh. um, and so yeah, it was just it's you know it was like this you know I was raised Catholic, so it's like the forbidden fruit of like like culture oh, that I yeah. don't know about and. So, and like, and I have nothing against Stone Butch Blues. I mean, geez, oh my God, like mm-hmm. such a powerful book, but mm-hmm. it was just, you know, I was like, I, and it's just, you know, there was a bunch of these. I was like, oh, it's a coming out story, but really it's just so much more than that. It's mm-hmm. this beautiful, I feel it's just such a beautiful relationship between this daughter, not only trying to really find out who her father was, but who uh-huh. really she is. And that parallel is beautiful and kind of her, her choices with the artwork of kind of having little cartoonish um, with her memory, but then having like solid photos of something that's totally um uh tangible is just so realistically done in that book i just i love it like it's so like you feel like you can just absolutely like walk into that house like it feels like so fully realized um it's funny you mentioned like one catholic and two you know uh forbidden fruit um i actually i'm also catholic um i went to catholic school for 12 years um i actually went to like a super liberal catholic school that was seemingly 50 percent lesbians i'm gonna get in trouble for saying (laughs) that like just like look it was an all-girls school look you learned evolution Look. though. Uh huh. Oh yeah, yeah we did. Oh, it was so no, it was like it was actually it was very <laughs> progressive. Yeah, I and mean, it was actually a really good school. So like my internalized homophobia didn't come from that. It mm. actually like it came from just like growing up with a family that didn't know any gay people, and like I always got like a low key impression that like um, so I'm half Japanese. Um, oh. The impression was gay people are white. <laughs> Um, like, I mean, look, look, most of the gay people, especially like a little look at representation in the 90s and early 2000s, it skews heavily, heavily white. Yeah. To me, like, it felt like if I were to come out as bi, it would be like to lose what little Japanese credibility I had, oh. you know, like, you know, like, oh, people like we're not like that. Like Japanese <laughs> is not like that, you know. Okay. Um, <laughs> oh, my gosh. Um, well, in that case, but like, so I definitely also like gay stuff was very much the forbidden fruit yeah. but also like you know a spoiler alert i am bi uh, so oh. i was also like super drawn to it and like for me actually i i, I largely engaged with it in fan fiction oh. and but like i hated it my whole thing was that, like i hate read so much gay fan fiction <laughs> we're like oh this is disgusting it's so stupid i hate this i'm reading five more <laughs> just to s- just because I hated the first one, <laughs> but I need to make sure that the rest are just as terrible. <laughs> you know, I need to make sure it's just as gay, and just as stupid, and I hate it. But I read so much, but like secretly and like not even admitting to myself that I was reading it. So like that, I feel like that makes up a lot of my like teen like reading was kind of like seeking out but not seeking out gay shit. Yeah. You know? <laughs> but it's like I'm hating it, so it's okay. Yeah, I hate it. Like it's not me. But it just it's in, it's interesting. It's amusing. <laughs> it's amusing, which is like the seventh, like the best, like seventh grade way to be like emotionally detached or Whatever. something. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I do have a very important question yeah. to ask you then. Mm-hmm. What's your opinion on calligraphy? Calligraphy. <laughs> yes. I'm going to be real. I don't have an opinion about calligraphy. Uh, I think it's fine. I don't have the best handwriting in the world. 
Um, I think it's impressive when you can do it. <laughs> wait, that's not a that's not that's wait. You mean calligraphy like the act? Oh as opposed yeah, to like yeah a comic? the act of calligraphy. Yeah. So we have a running joke on this show. <laughs> oh um, okay. <laughs> we actually had to rename ourselves because while we were on hiatus, a calligraphy podcast took our name. Oh, that's terrible. I think it's cool. I think you know. If I was used to be trashing this calligraphy stuff, and then I I, mm-hmm. fi- I looked, started looking at comments, and there's just so much hate for calligraphy. I was like, really? It, but it's such well, a. Well, it's not hate at calligraphy itself. It's people who like prefer different styles of calligraphy, <laughs> fighting oh, amongst each other like so many football teams. <laughs> okay, that's awesome. I love like extremely niche drama because mm. I feel like I find it relaxing actually to read that stuff. So just like they're so <laughs> upset. And I'd have nothing to do with it. And just like, I'm so, like, I just feel very calm just by comparison, mm-hmm. you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, who would have thought there would be this much turmoil in the calligraphy community? <laughs> <laughs> and she's like, ah, I don't care. But you do. <laughs> <laughs> I remember uh, when I was in Chicago, I, would, uh, I, had, I went to these pug meetups. Uh, love, love dogs. Oh. So, um, but it was... Uh, I did not know the level of insanity that I stepped into. Mm-hmm. Like, I met the Pugdashians, and I wasn't surprised by it, and they were uh-huh. very offended by that. Because, like, oh, okay, can I put your dog? Like, this is a Pugdashian. I was like... What? Yeah, Wh- what's a Pugdashian? I can't... I can't... So there's this group of dogs that wear pearls around their necks, and apparently they're Instagram stars, and they're known as the Pugdashians. That's stupid. This is the internal <laughs> drama of the Pug community that I was not ready for, nor were they very accepting of my ignorance. Wow. <laughs> I am filled with rage and also a slight bit of envy. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I feel like even for the people experiencing who are the Pugdashians, that just seems like a lot of upkeep for your dog. But speaking for love for crazy internal drama, Mm -hmm. I love Glass Scientist. You have a town of people who are so sick of mad scientists Uh that they're (laughs) cracking down on it. Mm -hmm. I love (laughs) this idea so much. I'm Uh not just saying that because you took the time to go on our podcast. Your humor in this book is clever. The timing is oh, thank you. beautiful. I mean, mm-hmm. this, like I, this is what I love about animators going into comic books. It's and it, obviously you being a storyboard artist, mm-hmm. you see movement in in non. It, you see movement in pictures, mm-hmm. and having that translate into a comic book, your panel pacing, your timing, even. Oh, thank you. Oh my gosh, it was good. Thank you. I got to read it. <laughs> um, no, so it was a really blast. Of course, it looked beautiful. I, you're, you. I don't. I, your colorist. I'm like, my God. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's taken a while. The, the colors definitely have been like a challenge. Honestly, like it's something that's kind of an ever evolving thing. Like how I'm. Oh, oh my gosh. Okay. Did you see that? Yes. A water bug ran right into my mouth. It was a huge. It went like a poom. Anyway. <laughs> sorry. Yeah. We just found out we have a water bug in here with us. Yeah. Guys. It's really big. We will deal with that. So if you hear a big slam, you'll know why. Okay. Anyway. So c- color is like, uh, it's like my white whale. Like I actually don't consider myself very much of a colorist, but it turns out. If something looks off to me, I go insane. Mm. And so, like, I end up spending so much time, like, tweaking color, figuring out color scripts, et cetera. Um, but I'm glad that it pays off for you and that you like it. it I mean, it is beautiful. <laughs> it's it's so crazy to see this. And this is – I'm a very untrained eye. I, mm-hmm. you know, I, I work in television. I'm safety for television, so I'm uh-huh. very, like, corporate, not creative. Mm-hmm. But, like, to watch this smooth – these smooth, like, colors get – like and these sharp lines together it's such a cool contrast i really enjoyed reading your book thank you um my my favorite panel is uh is so it's dr jekyll and he's kind of like you know he's like yeah you know the town people maybe not come off as scary and you've got this (laughs) old hag of a woman behind him Uh (laughs) that three right there i was i just like that is just a great example of like your amazing timing in this book 
thank you. It's also an example of like me being a board artist and like <laughs> theoretically every single moment would be panned out like that with like the moments kind of um, indicated and kind of uh, cut into separate panels. It's a ch the, the big challenge for me as a board artist is, is not planning out every single action. Mm. And it's something I feel like I've definitely had to learn and I'm still struggling with. Um, especially because like the current chapter I'm writing, which is chapter nine, has a lot of action in it, mm. and like I just came off a show where they are very big on the technicals of making sure that everything, every single tiny action is planned out, so the overseas studio when they animate it doesn't you know have any leeway to mess things up, and so like my animation brain is actively fighting my comics brain because comics brain is just like readers don't need to see if a character raises his arm in one panel and lowers it in the next. You don't need every single footstep panned out animation brain is like how dare you <laughs> you monster how could you not show you're going to confuse everyone no one's going to know what's happening unless you unless you indicate every single lip flap you know <laughs> um but yeah that's <laughs> animation <laughs> so so then i gotta ask so um so obviously you know when you're animating uh it's key frames for you and then obviously you've outsourced for people to kind of jump in between do you feel with comic books are you touching on key frames or is that kind of the idea of raising your arm down and going back um, it's definitely, um, you have to pull back a lot for comics. It's like I said, otherwise every single chapter would be like a bajillion billion panels. <laughs> also, um, another huge difference. I mean, storyboarding and comics are very, are very, very similar disciplines. Um, it's not uncommon for one to jump from one to the other. Um, a big thing that is different is one that like in a board, you don't have to have a fully finished image. So you can do a lot more. Mm -hmm. And two, um, in a board, you don't have to worry about panels. You know, yeah. like the panel is already predetermined. It's the same thing every single time. Exactly. Um, I get very stressed out trying to fit everything into a layout, you know, and that kind of pushes me to, again, be more economical with what my choices are. Um, I feel like in terms of like keyframing, so like not all storyboarding is keyframing. Okay. Um, <coughs> keyframing is like a specific to animation term. Okay. And we're technically before that. Um, but for TV, because we outsource everything, um, functionally, we give so many instructions at, at the boarding stage that we do so many drawings that functionally they are keyframe images uh, that they will follow very closely and then in between in the middle. Uh, okay. uh, so for us, it is, it is somewhat similar to keyframing. Um, where that skill uh, crosses over into, um, into uh, comics is that for a pose to read really, really strong for it to animate well, um, you do need to get really good at doing strong, like, expressive poses, really strong silhouette, really strong gesture, and that's going to make a good comic panel as well. Um, and it's ultimately still, like, visual communication and acting, um, which, you know, is applies to both. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, wow. And so, um, I w honestly, I kind of want to start at the beginning. So, yeah. obviously, you're this Catholic kid denying that you're liking the, oh, this queer early. fiction. Yeah. Uh -huh. um, Let's start there. Like, how do you how where how do you go from here to this badass <laughs> Disney artist and comic book creator? Thank you. That's very kind. <laughs> Thank you. I get to read your stuff. <laughs> sure. Um, well, um, after I graduated high school, I kind of knew that I wanted to go into animation, um, and I applied to a school called CalArts, uh, which has like a, pr a, pr a pretty famous animation program. Um, I got in. I went there. Um, after two years, I got an internship at Pixar for story. 
um, which I sucked at. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like it sounds so much more impressive than it actually was. I was very like I was very much bottom of the intern class. Um, I learned a lot, but in no way was qualified to get a job at the end of that, <laughs> um, which is fine because I still had two more years of CalArts, went back to CalArts, um, ended up going back to Pixar for an art internship, which I was even less qualified for, <laughs> got even less of a job. <coughs> um, for that one, I spent the entire summer um, drawing vegetation for the movie The Good Dinosaur. <laughs> Um, f- it was specifically tropical vegetation. Ooh. If you happen to have seen that movie, you will notice there are no tropical locations. It was cut. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Which is actually totally fine because I did such a bad job. Like, I, did, I was so bad at drawing, like, model sheets of ferns. Um, after that, um, jumped on, on over to another internship. Um, I was a visual development um, trainee at Walt Disney Feature, uh, which was really, really fun. By that time, I kind of figured out that actually I suck at visual development. Um, and so I was like, okay, so I actually do want to go back into story. Um, so I started, so when I also didn't get a job for that, <laughs> six months later, yeah. um, I started just taking a bunch of story tests and eventually landed my first job on Gravity Falls um, as a story revisionist, which is like an entry level storyboard artist. But st- I mean, Gravity Falls, I mean, that, it I was, mean. It was a really lucky, it was, it was a fantastic first job. But do you, do you, I mean. Well, that's gotta be, yeah. Uh, I mean, do you go to cons and just see the fruits of your labor? Do, I mean, do you, how, <laughs> how many Gravity Falls people you see now? I mean, that's actually how I found out about that show mm-hmm. was I, you know, on the side, I'll sell comic books for time. And I saw everyone in these flannels mm-hmm. and, you know, your fur hats. And I was like, why is everyone from oh, Minnesota? Yeah. Like, what the fuck's going on uh-huh. here? Have <laughs> my people finally found me, thought Alex. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Were you guys from Minnesota? Uh, originally, I am. Oh, my dad's from Minnesota. Oh, no shit. Where at? Uh, um, oh, my God. Oh, no. Oh, my God. Why am I blanking on that? It's a small town. That's um, that's like all I know of Minnesota. I know that's all of them. Wait, is it by a lake? I mean, aren't all I'm of them by a lake? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> oh, my God. I'm sorry. I'll think of it later. I'm trying. Oh, um, is it okay? I'm trying to think small towns. So definitely, Saint Cloud's a little like big. It's in the south, I believe. South. Oh, okay. Oh How is south? Are we talking like oh, you betcha territory south or? Oh Lord, I haven't been there. I can't. I'm sorry. I can't get, engage. How on does this. your dad say about? About. Okay, so I'm trying to think here. I mean, he's been here for the last like 25 years. Yeah, so. yeah. So also, to be fair, he actually only spent high school in Minnesota. He kind of jumped around a Where lot. Where do you go to high school? Uh. I know, that, like that town name. Oh my God, I'm gonna remember it as soon as this interview ends. I bet. <laughs> I'm gonna really destroy my like geography in Minnesota. I'm trying to think what's south. Um, oh my gosh, uh, it's not the high school where they always have that huge like screamo Christian festival. I doubt it. Um, it's not Becker. You are not. G- I'm bet you it's it's gonna be a What is this exotic foreign land you describe, sir? Oh, it's the uh, it's the town there full of lakes and uh, hot dishes and snow there, bud. I love Minnesota accents. I oh, think they're really fun. I lost mine. Uh-huh. Uh, I, I, can, I can tell. Yeah, yeah. no, yeah. <laughs> I went from Chicago to New York, but when I first came to Chicago, um, I remember I was trying to grab, I was trying to like, I forgot, I was trying to get a dollar for some guy, and I was like, hey, yo, Buck, can you borrow me a dollar there? He looked at me and goes, what the fuck did you just say to me? <laughs> That's awesome, though. It's gone now, though. I, know, I, I love hearing, like, regional accents. Um, <laughs> my roommate in college uh, was from Tennessee, and, like, she had also largely lost it, but if she was really, really tired, it would come back. Um, that was like my favorite thing. I like I, I love accents. I think it's just really fun. Yeah, no. If I get a few beers in me, I'll start fucking. Nice. <laughs> but anyways, enough about Minnesota. Gravity <laughs> Falls. You yeah. you jump on this show, and at the time when you started out here, did you know the impact that Gravity Falls was going to be? Well, I started on season two, so yes. Oh, okay, yeah. So it had already you know already aired. It yeah. was already pretty successful. Um, I remember though, like 
um, one of my my last um, character design teachers at CalArts uh, named Phil Rinda was actually doing character design on Gravity Falls before it aired. And I remember him showing us the poster for the first season and being like, this is, you know, a really great show that we're working on. So I, fe- I have that memory of like, it felt like it was already going to be a pretty big thing at that time. Um, and actually the way I got the story test was through Phil. He hooked me up with that oh. initial contact. So that still had to test for it, but yeah. We still, well, clearly you did a good job. <laughs> <laughs> good enough, you know, good enough to get on the crew. So So you did you work in that all season two then or? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow, okay. Yeah, um, season two through the end. Um, it was... It, w- it was a really, re- it's, it's, it was a, a really amazing first job for a storyboard artist. Um, I think because Alex, you know, had come from a storyboarding background, I felt like he was very supportive of the board teams in particular um, and would give like really, really good notes. I learned so much about, you know, boarding from him and from that experience. Um, it, was, it was honestly kind of a perfect first job, you know? I mean, that's, I mean, gosh, I, mean, I, I know there's am- animators out there, stars in their eyes, just listening to this, <laughs> just like, wow, my God, that's so cool. Mm-hmm. And so Gravity Falls, do we go from there straight to now Star versus Evil or? Yeah, actually, um, weirdly, I'd actually tested for Star before I started on Gravity Falls. Oh. Um, so I'm, a, I'm like a fairly honest person, especially when bad things are happening in my life. Mm-hmm. So the day that I found out that I didn't get the job, at Disney feature I immediately within like an hour I was like I was crying and as I was crying I was posting to Facebook I didn't get the job <laughs> and like I just need to get I need to get that negativity out into the universe just get out, out mm. of my brain a um, couple hours later I get a message from Darren Nefsey, um, who was you know she went to my, my school mm-hmm. um, so I think like acquaintances yeah <clears throat> um, I didn't know her at the time but I guess like a friend of a friend um, and she's like oh I saw that you know you're looking for work do you want to test for s- this new show that just got greenlit. Um, and so I met with her, got a character design test, did not get that test. <laughs> um, but based on my test, she was like, oh, I could see you you know, have the drawing skills to be a story revisionist. Um, I ended up uh, deciding like, oh, I still wanna keep testing around. I didn't say yes to that particular job. I don't exactly remember why, um, but I ended up testing around. Um, ended up getting the job on Gravity Falls. Um, but while I was waiting to hear back from Gravity, they were like, oh, guess what? Star has actually recently switched from a script-driven show to a board. Do you know the difference between a script-driven and a board-driven show? No, so you, I'm very, so one thing actually before we <coughs> jump to, uh, can run us through what a testing process is like. Uh, so basically a storyboard test is they give you a couple pages of script or in an outline-driven show, an outline, and they basically say board this. Okay. Yeah, it's basically like test a, a test version of you know what your job would be. And do they give you character models and things like that? Yes. Okay. Uh huh. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. So now, and then we're jumping to you said now we have an outline versus a scripted, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So what's the difference there? So obviously, it's just kind of script form. Is outline more like a comic book script then, or? Um, not quite. So when it, when you have like an animation script that's being created, um, first you have like your premise, which is like the simple, super basic version of what the story is then you move on to an outline which is describing kind of like in prose format what is happening mm-hmm. uh plot wise um on an outline driven show you stop there hand that off to the board artist and they finish the final script as well as boarding okay um on a script driven show you have the writers finish off a full a traditional script and then they have that's handed off to the board team interesting okay yeah um so initially star was going to be script driven um i believe they had some trouble finding writers um, and so eventually they're just like, never mind, let's just do a board-driven show. Um, as a result, 
it took them longer than they'd expected, I believe, um, to staff up their board teams. And so they're like, hey, we're actually still hiring. Do you want to test, you know, to see if you can be on, you know, the boarding teams? Um, I didn't know if I got in the Gravity Falls job yet, so I was like, sure. And I found out within like a couple days of each other that I actually got in both jobs amazingly, wow. which <laughs> is, which is funny because like I'd gone for many months hearing nothing, um, <laughs> and both happened to come at the same time. Um, so I ended up taking Gravity, but you know I, I had already taken the test, so I was already on the radar for Star afterwards, and so I moved on to Star season two. Right that. And then, so yeah, we, we jumped into what, episode four? It was the first Season one. Season two, episode four, yeah. yeah. Whoa, that's a lot to take in. Yeah. <laughs> it was I remember I read him the Wikipedia premise beforehand, and I was like, well, it's going to get a little weird. And then I laughed so hard when that was the theme song. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good theme song. Oh, it's it a is. great theme song. Yeah. I've had it in my head all night. Uh-huh, yeah. I mean, just the humor. It's it's so, and like that's the thing is like, I, it's, I, I don't. I feel like you guys really respect your audience. Uh huh. I, I just feel like it's good. It, I mean, it's not like highbrow humor or anything, but it's, it's not. It's not like dumbed down or anything. Like it's, it's well thought out. It's comical. It's funny, mm -hmm. and it's not just for kids. I think it's anyone watching that's gonna really enjoy it. Oh. Yeah. So, no, we we were laughing our asses oh, off. Oh yeah, the comic timing is just incredible. I remember there was one moment where I just like cracked up for thirty seconds <laughs> straight, and Wait, I'm which, like, this which is a very well done. See? So this is the episode where – so it starts out – the first episode is Star knocks off the giant taco thing and it falls on a police car. And oh, that was my first ever episode. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. So, yeah. And so then okay. obviously she runs away and mm -hmm. kind of has a Hansel and Gretel moment, but it turns out that – Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's more of just a hair woman who's, you know, mm -hmm. giving just Ness for – Just Shirley from Community. Yeah. That's <laughs> a strange episode. It is, but like it was – and then the, obviously so it's like a two-part. So so that is that show kind of based where you have two 15-minute episodes kind of driven together? Two 11s, yeah. Two 11s. Mm -hmm. Sometimes they'll have like a, a – they'll combine them so it's a, tw so a full 22, okay. uh, but it's a base 11, yeah, okay. which is common in animation. Uh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Interesting. Okay, and so um, in, in writing that, so um, kind of talk us, run us through the process. So this is your first episode. Oh, boy. I mean, I can't speak too much about the first episode. Okay. Um, <laughs> just because, like, that, like, I feel like it's okay for me to say because I ended up really, really, lo really loving the crew and having a great time on Star. That first episode was rough. <laughs> um, oh, I'm sure, like, your first time coming into a new crew, new show, new everything, basically. Oh, like, also, like, they were in a time of a lot of transition. Um, it's not actually that uncommon for shows to basically gut their entire crew between first and second season. Oh. Um, and that had happened on Star. Um, and so we were kind of a whole new, functionally, whole new crew, new leadership coming in. Um, but the outlines were from the previous season. And so it was a disconnect between what the new leadership wanted and what the outline was saying. And as a result, you know, the what they're requesting seems very off from what the outline is. And also, like, the earlier, I'd say, like, seasons one and seasons, like, first half of season two of Star are not my natural kind of like realm of storytelling i tend to be a little more structured a little bit more um clear arcs and it's definitely started off a lot more experimental a lot more zany mm -hmm. and so i definitely like i did really struggle to get a hold of the tone especially in that first episode oh i would yeah. say more than anything else um it got better it, honestly it got better quite quickly um but i think like it, like it was understood like that was a that was a rough episode which i think has been acknowledged by um <laughs> my bosses as well or i hope 
and I, I, I hope it has been acknowledged. If, if it hasn't been, then I apologize. <laughs> um, uh, by the way, though, if anyone from Disney is watching, uh, it may have been a rough episode, but me and Pappas had a wonderful time. So yeah. <laughs> let, let the record show that two random podcast hosts enjoyed it. <laughs> It was. I mean, that's and honestly, if if the show's willing to go go out there, like mm-hmm. I'm, 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 I'm in. I'm in for no, it. That's great. Um, th- it had a song in it, didn't it? It did. So the song, yeah. So I was actually asking about that. I was like, is there always a song or? This, no, there was not always a song. <laughs> and there was not a song the entire time I was working on it. Oh. I mean, like that. I think that's why I think the biggest reason that actually made me uh, like I feel a little bit bad thinking about that particular episode because they had a really hard time figuring what they wanted from it they had a hard time communicating i had a hard i was still figuring out how to communicate with them as well um they weren't satisfied with the episode when we finished it like straight up and uh basically what ended up happening was my director and his uh board partner um ended up having to do huge edits to the third to the uh, third act and had to write in that whole song by themselves while also working on other ep- other episodes. For me, the thing that the, the worst feeling in the world for me personally is if I inconvenience someone else on the crew and cause them extra trouble and extra work. And so like that, like, I, I'm sure I apologize to him, but like, <laughs> I still like, I still felt really bad about that. And it's something I've generally tried to avoid at all costs uh, going forward. And I think, I think I generally did. Like, I, like, again, like that was like the rough episode yeah. and things got better pretty quickly <laughs> after that. Um, but yeah, that, that song. <laughs> I just want to believe that some guy on the staff was pitching the singing dragon like all year. Uh-huh. And they were finally like, all right, Bill, your time to shine. Uh-huh. And then just Star shuts him down, which I love. She's uh-huh. like, yeah, can you stop singing? Yeah, I guess it's your minor. Uh-huh. Um, so do you have a favorite episode that you, you wrote? or? Um, I have a few top picks. Okay. Um, I'm extremely fond of the season three finale. Um, I got to bore like a really big, huge action sequence with this giant monster and star. Um, I feel like I learned a whole lot. Um, I feel like I learned in general, like I got to do a lot of action stuff on star. Um, and I feel like I just, you know, really got to explore that side of boarding a lot more. Um, it got to be very emotional. Um, it's a really big, you know, character moment. I like boarding like really intense emotional mm-hmm. stuff and just like getting like ideally like I want to make the audience like the most in pain as possible. Mm-hmm. And I feel like I ach- I hope I achieved that with that episode. <laughs> um, <coughs> and it was just like it was just really fun to board, just like a fun fun episode. Um, gosh, at this point, like I boarded or directed enough episodes that I'm actually having a hard time remembering all of them. So that's another um, thing, obviously, going into the directing. I mean, mm-hmm. so obviously boarding and then – so how is that How is that transition? How does that feel? I mean, like mm-hmm. – and what's – you know, for for the untrained, h- yeah. how is directing an animation? Um, it's a little difficult to describe. Yeah. Um, so first of all, it is, di- it is very distinct from a showrunner, mm-hmm. uh, which is like um, the person who's actually running the entire show. Directors more or less direct specific episodes, um, but still very much answering to the intentions of the showrunner. Mm-hmm. Um. I feel like I was very fortunate to transition from directing from boarding um, because a lot of directing is functionally like storyboarding plus. It's a lot of the same skill sets. It's a lot of the same, you know, thought processes going into it. Basically, instead of as a storyboard artist, you're working on a team and you handle a certain chunk of the episode. As a director, you are overseeing the entire episode um, and giving notes to individual boarders and directing them in certain ways. Um, I would say... Uh, the role of a director really changes depending on the particular production. It really is, it's a very malleable role. On Star, I had like a whole bunch of different 
um, duties aside from managing my board teams. Um, a big part of my job was um, acting as a go-between between the showrunner and the board artist. Mm. Um, because as a board-driven show, there's a lot of room for interpretation, a lot of room for different intentions getting in there. It was my job to make sure that the final product was always something that the showrunners were happy with. Interesting. <coughs> uh, oh, sorry, sorry, I'm coughing a little bit. How dare you? How dare you? I just have like a perennial cough. No, you're, you're um, fine. Okay, cool. <laughs> yeah. Um, but um, uh, basically the, the the situation I was always trying to avoid was kind of what I just described on Star vs. Echo Creek, where you finish an episode, you think it's done, and then you see it later, and they've thrown out ha half your drawings. <laughs> which, you know, happens a lot on board different shows. It's unfortunate. That's just a reality. A lot of different opinions, you know, a lot of different cooks in the kitchen. Um, my job was to avoid that for my board artists as much as possible, and I think I generally was able to, like, achieve that. Um, and to generally make the board artists' lives as easy as possible, they can board with confidence, feeling that I understand what the higher-ups want, I understand what they want, I understand how to do it. Um, and just to give them that confidence, you know? Um, so that's another thing I did. Um, another thing I did, um, I directed voice actors. Oh. Um, or really, I was, I was more of an assistant voice director, really. Obviously, like, the person who got the most say was Darren. She was mm -hmm. kind of the one who ideally was in as many sessions as possible. Um, but if either she wasn't able to be there or um, or I could just kind of sit in and provide backup, um, my job, I felt, was to know the board really, really well. Um, and because I was also the final script, know the script super, super well. Um, and so oftentimes, like, they'd have the script with them, but sometimes it wouldn't be indicated in the script, you know, like, um, you know, if there's a crowd shot, like, how big is the crowd? You know, if they're shouting at each other, are they shouting, like, over a gymnasium? Or are they, are they shouting right next to each other? That's going to have different tones. Mm -hmm. I'm making sure the context of, of what the voice actors are receiving and their direction is on point to the episode and making sure that they give accurate line readings that we can definitely use. Um, and finally, um, we worked with the editors to cut together animatics, mm -hmm. um, and to handle, which, you know, also handles like, you know, timing and, you know, if the episode's too long, what do we cut? If something's not working, you got to fix it. Um, and just kind of like assembling everything all together. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's, it's almost like, and this is, you know, it's almost like you're trying to explain a TV show to a blind person. Almost <laughs> like you have to be this image that no one can see and you have yeah. to kind of put it in front of them. Uh-huh. Um, and so... One thing I, I really noticed uh, working in television, and this is more live action, yeah. is it's absolutely a writer's medium. Um, mm. And the director really becomes, you know, and the old saying is, you know, um, and this is more for like, you know, in, you know, in, in a feature, the, the god is a director, um, but in a documentary, you know, well, is what is it? Director is the god, but god is the director in a documentary. But oh. so do you feel going like and uh, like for a feature do you feel the director takes on more of a showrunner role when they're really trying to make sure that idea is driven throughout or do you still feel like they're still a liaison between almost maybe the production studio and their artists oh you mean like for a future coming soon? yeah so i just i'm just curious if there's an analogous between animation or is it kind of si similar workflow just a longer form um no it's actually i think it's quite a bit different um mm -hmm. there is no uh I don't, there's no real like showrunner to director hierarchy yep. there's just the director oh, okay yeah uh so 
the showrunner equivalent in feature is the director. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Makes it. Mm-hmm. And so Ed, when you were directing the show, I mean, do you feel obviously you're doing this insanely hard job of trying to create like <laughs> It was fun. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, even as an animator, you've still got panels that aren't moving yet. And I mean, sure. Mm-hmm. So when they're doing voice acting, do you guys have like previs or anything any anything they can reference or you kind of you you were there Almost the interpreter. Never. Okay, so there you mm-hmm. go. So yeah. um and oh God, that's, I just find that so crazy, but it's it's wild. I was kind of like, I'm actually not 100% sure why they do it that way. Still, um, uh, to me, it would be helpful to have the context of the board. Yeah. Uh, but <laughs> instead, like they basically just rely on the voice director to give all of the context, and that's, it's actually surprising how often they get it right. You yeah. know. Um, but <laughs> so as a director, do you feel you get to make a creative mark? Obviously, you're you're doing a very important job. Like I said, of being that intermediate that connection making sure this all runs smoothly and everyone's having yeah. that same image mm-hmm. do you feel you get to have a creative input still in that position um absolutely um i think it, again it really depends on the particular production what your specific roles are um i think because writing was such a big part of boarding in general that inevitably i would get in on that as well mm. um, my general goal was to allow the boarders to have as much of their personal voice in there as possible and then my job would just kind of make it all work real good um, on Star in particular, um, Darren prioritized hiring strong writers in the board team and had less of a focus on like cinematography and camera work and posing and kind of like the drawing aspect of it. Mm-hmm. Um, because I had that Gravity Falls background, which was a lot more technically minded, um, my boards when I board on Star tended to be a lot more finished, a lot more cleaned up. Um, I would put a little more effort into like trying to keep the camera angles really interesting and just keep it dynamic, especially for your action scenes. Yeah. Um, generally my board teams were a lot more comedy focused and so a lot of times I'd be like okay I'm going to try and leave all of your jokes in there leave all the writing I'm just going to make the you know, camera work really interesting I'm going to make you know the direction really interesting um, trying to make the, the boarding more dynamic make the action sequences more exciting um, so try not to step on their toes you know because I think there, there can be a problem like some directors really want their mark on it yeah. and we'll just kind of like trample all over the board artist's work that's a little harsh but it's you know yeah. like you know like they will they want to put their stamp regardless of whether or not it's entirely needed yeah and i'm trying not to do that you know i'm trying to step in only when it's necessary mm. um luckily when you have really really rough boards uh, it's often necessary <laughs> <laughs> yeah no it's really interesting i think that's the way to do it um you know for a show that has so much comedy in it because you know a lot of sitcoms you know, it's just a simple, you know, two shot of characters, you know, at like a booth talking and yeah, the jokes get across, but it's just not that interesting <laughs> visually. So I think trying to marry, you know, just the jokes, the wordplay, all the stuff that the writers are putting in with something that's a lot more visually minded and interesting is where you get like the most, you know, um, engaging scenes and the most engaging shots out of your show. See, that's one thing that I just dumbfounds me because I, you know, obviously Max, if you're being comedian, you know, it's the most important thing about comedy, right? Timing. Um, <laughs> how I mean, so you've got a disenjoy, dis like, uh, yeah, a separated voice and an animation that don't get to come together until mm-hmm. obviously they do. Yeah. The timing in that, I can't imagine that you guys mm-hmm. must have down to a science at that point. Um, I think actually, like a lot of the more technical aspects of timing i think are due to the editors okay i think they get really used to like what time is going to feel good and like what's not going to feel good um and you're trying to give direction on top of that um ideally like it should be a very collaborative experience and there are some animators i mean like animation is 
extremely about timing, extremely oh, yeah. technical in its timing. So if you have a classically trained animator, like they can tell you down to say, you know, it's a animation is 24 frames a second yes. and they can fucking time that out accurately. Which is, I just think crazy. Cause that's the thing is like, obviously you're, you know, as you, as a comedian, you, you read a crowd and you've got that, you've got that down based on it. And it's just, mm-hmm. but like, you don't think about every 24th of a second as you're telling a joke. No, and that's the the really interesting thing, too. Like, comedy, uh, stand-up comedy, at least, is, like, the most immediate form of comedy because if you tell a joke, you know immediately if the joke works or not because the audience will respond to it. Like, I think it's a lot much, a lot harder to do comedy, especially in animation, because animation takes so long to produce <laughs> If you animate a joke, you will not know if that joke, you know, literally works until it's like out there in the world. And I have an immense amount of respect for the people who can do that. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Oh, my gosh. So I got to ask, as, as you guys are really like you thought a joke is really going to work, you've been mm-hmm. pushing towards it. And then you finally get to see it at a, at a form where you're like, shit. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think like, well, I mean, like definitely like inevitably if you have a medium where you're kind of going over and over and over and over again, no. by the time you're finished with the thing, it's no longer funny to you. Yeah. And so you have, you complete, you'll end up inevitably completely losing any kind of context. I feel like for animation specifically, because it's such a tedious uh, art form, um, generally you have to have some form or another of finding a way to bring spontaneity back into an intrinsically unspontaneous art form, you know? Yeah. Um, I tend to do that more on the writing side of things or like when I'm boarding I'll actually do I, I do a thing I call a scribble pass where like I'll basically do like a stick figure version of something uh, to like okay. yeah. to get as close to like real time cutting so you get that sense of like what is this going to feel like because you lose a sense of feel if you're spending 10 minutes on a drawing Yeah. whereas if you scribble it you know in like two seconds you have a sense of like okay what naturally feels like it you, you get that sense of feeling back there you go. Okay. And I think everybody has their own way of trying to capture that sense of feeling uh, which kind of naturally gets robbed when you're spending, you know, a year producing a season. It's which, I mean, that's the thing. Is like that's the other thing was like when an animation gets announced, you're like, oh hell yeah, mm-hmm. in three years. And you're yeah. like, shit. Well, I mean, it gets it gets announced mid production, so like that's uh, okay, you're, yeah. only, you're only seeing half of that iceberg. Yeah, like it was fully pr- it was planned years before that. Oh, that's just insanity. Mm-hmm. And so when did uh so when did Glass Scientist come in? Um so. <laughs> Uh, the Glass Scientist, the initial seed for that was um, my friend uh, Tori um, got me into the musical Jekyll and Hyde when I was in high school. Okay. Um, so I'd always been like really drawn to that story. Um, I like a duality story. I like, you know, like, you know, the grappling with your darker nature. That is bisexual. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, it just rings true for some reason, you know. Um, so I was always, always very much drawn to those characters. Um, and kind of had like my own interpretation of like what a story involving Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde would look like in my head pretty much through college. Mm. Um, around the time that I started the Disney feature training program, um, I had actually applied for both their visual development program and their story program and got, was a finalist for both, but they decided for me that I was better in biz dev. (laughs) And I just got like very sad. I got like really sad about it because like I just you know basically flunked out of the Pixar internship. Fuck and the was land. Like, Fuck those guys. Hey, look, I can draw a good tree now. <laughs> I Sounds like that wasn't a, a good dinosaur after all. Uh, hey, look, that thing got delayed by two years right after that. So. 
because the, the yeah. critics can tell you whether or not it was a good dinosaur or not. <laughs> I could tell you were pissed about that vegetation. <laughs> yeah, um, but like, I was like, oh god, now I have to spend six more months doing something that I actually am not very good at, and I sus- and I'm increasingly suspecting not very passionate about. Um, but gosh, can I even do story? What what am I even doing? Am I any good at this? So I basically just like I'm going to just try and write a story and see if I can do this. I mean, I, I, had, I had done stories before. I had done sh- uh, four short films at CalArts, uh, which is what everyone does. You do a film a year, which I think is a huge part of the education at CalArts. Yeah. Um, you learn so much just like from practically having to do it over and over again. Oh, yeah. Experience is the best teacher. Yeah. yeah. Um, How long were these films? Um, so CalArts has a, a time limit for each year. Okay. First year, 90 seconds. Second year, t- uh, two minutes, 30 seconds. <laughs> Third year, four minutes. Seventh year, seven minutes. Oh, sorry, fourth year, seven minutes. Holy shit. And generally speaking, you actually don't want to go over that four-minute number. There's a lot of boring-ass seven-minute films <laughs> out there, <laughs> um, which is actually really, really good just because, like, otherwise, you're going to go overboard, like, right off the bat, burn yourself out. Um, so I feel like the film system there is actually really, really strong. Um, but so I'd done these sor- short films. I had never done anything long format. Yeah. And I was like, well, I've always wanted to do something. I've, I've had in my mind a rough idea of like what the story would look like for these characters. I'm just going to write it down. So like every night after work, I would write one new scene until I had a, like a finished first draft of like an outline, like a really tight outline. And I was like, okay, I'm going to set that aside for a few, for a few months, come back to it, do a second draft. Um, got to a point where I was feeling pretty confident about it. Um, and by that time, I'd been on Gravity Falls for a few months, was starting to feel like fairly confident where I was, and also was also starting to feel like a little bit of growing pains. Like, you know, you're still, you are working on somebody else's film, on somebody else's idea, and like, I miss doing my own thing. So, you know, why don't I do an online comic, which I can do entirely by myself, which is still like my entirely personal thing, um, and so just have something, you know, I work on other people's stuff during the day, but I can come home and do my own thing. Um, and I started off at a friend's recommendation doing, um, a short comic just to start off, just to kind of experiment. Yeah. I did a, um, Kickstarter comic, uh, called Bleeding Heart, which is a prequel comic to The Glass Scientist. Um, and thankfully the Kickstarter did like really, really well. Um, and I had a really fun time making the comic, had a really fun time fulfilling the Kickstarter. Um, and based on that, you know use as kind of the kickoff point to start the comic um, and have been doing it for four years now. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> awesome. That comic has been through high school. Because, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well you are now, you, I think you mentioned er- mm-hmm. earlier, was it you said you're on your ninth chapter now? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Those are, I mean, oh, my gosh. And those pages, they, you put <laughs> time into those pages. Oh, I put time into those pages. Yeah. Oh, it shows. Trust uh-huh. me. I mean, it's <laughs> thank you. Oh, thank you. Like, sorry, I keep saying mm-hmm. it, but thank you. I got to read that damn thing. Aww. Like, so are you, do you do you ever do conventions or anything like that or um I used to do a few conventions a year and those are really fun mm-hmm. um let's see I started with a uh, CTN yes. which is a local yeah local oh, animation I work convention CTN. oh yeah so yeah so mm-hmm. I uh, Dark Planet Comics I don't know if you oh. ever noticed that yeah we're okay. the that vampire book we're always pushing to students oh. who have no money cool oh god I mean th- that's always the bummer thing about CTN is like the stu- the, the amount of students there and you just kind of yeah. feel bad selling them things I'm like I know how much you had to spend to get in here I'm sorry. 
Did you I'm go to Lightboxes here? Oh, yes, I did. Yeah, I was there. Yeah. Oh, you were? Yeah. Cool. I, I was literally there, like, the last Sunday. I was straight up, like, because um, right now I'm developing a show, and so I was straight up, like, scouring the entire thing for, like, business cards, like, for biz dev artists. So I was literally, like, running through the halls super fast at the last second. So You're I such a unicorn. You were actually yeah. looking for people. Cause yeah, I, feel I was. Like, yeah. Oh, my God. Because I felt so bad because I was, like, I'm trying to pitch and book, like, are you hiring? I'm, like, I'm just a booth babe. I'm sorry. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, I literally was like, I was fucking zooming. I, I wish I'd gone much, much sooner, but like, I, I woke up really late that Sunday. <laughs> so I was just like, I just waddled out of bed and just went there. And just like, and like, oh, it's, I, I have a few hours. I'll have plenty of time. Two hours, I'm like, oh, God, I've only done half the con. And it was like, <laughs> literally just, oh, I was so panicked. But it was it was a really good show. I mean, I honestly, I think, I, I, I think I don't know if CTN's still around, but it's days are numbered. It's still around. Yeah. I mean, I compared to Lightbox, I think it's days That's what everybody's saying. Oh, like, yeah. For a first-year convention really fantastic right? and i feel like addressed a lot of the problems people had with ctn notably that incredibly high entrance price yeah. and the fact that they you know kind of market the students in a slightly dishonest way look yeah i had a really good time exhibiting at ctn i feel like there's potential for the show but i feel like everybody that i've ever talked to who's booth there has the same concern of like it feels wrong to sell to students like this yeah it doesn't feel good no. you know Mm. No, it, it, that was the thing. It was just like, I feel like I'm pulling like hard-earned money yeah, from these kids. Be exactly. Like, oh, man. Mm -hmm. The ironic thing is like, I actually had a fantastic time when I um, went to CTN as a student. Mm. That's actually kind of how I got the Pixar internship. Um, There's a story where like, it was a year, very early on CTN, things weren't insanely overcrowded. You could just go into the Pixar panel with all the story artists yeah. there. You could <laughs> just walk in. Um, and so I did that. And afterwards... Um, we happened to see Scott Morse um, just walking, like, in the field. <laughs> in th in the field, in the wild. <laughs> As he sauntered over. Mm -hmm. in, in the grass. In the green meadows, <laughs> CTN. And, like, I had my portfolio with me. But I was just like, oh, there he is. Oh, I, I wish I could show him my portfolio. And uh, my roommate, Raina, um, who was a fantastic promoter of other people, mm. um, literally ran up to him, screamed, hey, Scott! <laughs> pointed back to me and ran away <laughs> <laughs> and it got his attention oh my gosh and i was like can i show you my portfolio and he was like sure i have a booth you know just come by later i showed it to him he liked my work um he showed it you know he said oh you know this other guy is is you know exhibiting here show it to him he was like you know we should put in your name for the internship and you know just you know email this person and like, uh, to be clear anyone can apply for the internship but like the fact that I'd gotten their attention and yeah. they cared was huge. Um, so I had a great time at CTN when I first went. I have yet to hear similar stories in recent years. <laughs> so I got to ask you, obviously you're killing it now. So thank if you. you could tell, uh, well, thank you. You came out here. We get to brag about you. It's <laughs> awesome. You make us so legit. Um, but if you could, obviously I'm, I'm hoping, you know, we have some aspiring artists uh -huh. listening to this. If you like, what would you tell them right now? Is like mm -hmm. what they, what, what can they do? to even get close to how, how much you're killing it. <laughs> I mean, like, I'm actually, I'm not great at the advice to young artists thing, specifically because I feel like what is good advice to you is not good advice to somebody else. It really depends on your specific goals. Um, and, I mean, I guess, like, my advice in that arena is just kind of, like, you know, like, don't feel pressure to follow every single piece of advice you see and to follow what everybody else is doing because, like, your specific goals are your own, and your specific skill sets are your own and your specific set of you know life challenges are your own and there's no one right way to do it and what works for one person doesn't necessarily work for you know another person 
Um, I mean, there's always like the classic, you know, the note of like, you know, draw a lot, practice a lot. Um, I did figure drawing from a fairly young age. I had access to a figure drawing class uh, around like eighth grade. Um, I feel like that, you know, if you want to go into animation, that's an extremely important skill set to have uh, starting out. Um, you don't have to go to CalArts. Uh, <laughs> I mean, there, there, is, there is like a lot of pressure still on, in online spaces, like, oh, you have to go to CalArts. Um, you really don't, um, but definitely be really, really thoughtful about what you're doing for your education. Um, because generally to get into animation, you have to be, like, to get into the industry, you have to be very self-directed and very disciplined, very good with time management, um, and very good at kind of like knowing what you want and going for it. Um, I think whenever I give advice, especially to college students, the concern is always like, okay, well, if you're not going to college, like, you're like, are you getting good art advice from your teachers? So should I tell you to follow your teacher's advice? Should I tell you to fuck your teacher? Not like, not, no, not like, not like, <laughs> not like, have sex with them. Metaphorically, sorry. everyone. Metaphorically. <laughs> oh, sorry, I, I just, oh, oh gosh, should I peep that out? I'm sorry. No, swearing. Oh, you're fine. Okay, oh, I'm sorry. This I, is you got a reaction. tagged explicit oh, on Spotify, me, actually, yeah. so you're good. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Should you know, should, should you tell your teachers, you know, stuff it, uh, what should, you know, like, um, unfortunately, like, there are some good places you can get animation skills. It's a lot of places, people claiming they know what they're talking about, but actually don't. Yeah. Um, I would say a uh, very important piece of information to know is that for aspiring animators, you don't need a degree. Um, you don't need to go to specific school. You don't need to go, you don't need anything. You don't need a million followers. Um, all you need is a portfolio that is easily accessible online um, and for someone to find your work somehow. That can be where followers com comes in because if people are just going to reblog your stuff, there's a higher chance that a recruiter or a show owner is going to see your stuff. Um, but I just started hiring freelancers for the first time this year and like I did not look at a resume. I did not look at a cover letter. I was just going on Twitter and like finding people's work if it was good you reach out to them. It's very, very simple. Um, so, I mean, it's, it's all about that portfolio, yeah. you know? <laughs> that is, oh man. So, uh, what were, uh, so maybe this might be kind of a dumb question, but uh -huh. um, so what are like things you want to have in your portfolio? Like what are, mm -hmm. like, what, what are ways to show your skills and diversity of? Um, so I can speak to two areas. Um, I can speak to story and a little bit to VizDev. A my VizDev is a little bit outdated just because, uh, you know, <laughs> I haven't done it in a while. Um, when I was making my portfolios, um, story is a very, very specific portfolio. And also, if you if you want to have more than one focus, um, you want to make two different portfolios. The worst thing you can have is a general portfolio, where you're just kind of like a little bit of this, a little bit of boarding, a little bit of design. That confuses people. They want to see that you're focused and you know exactly what your job description is. Um, so you have a specific portfolio for a specific discipline. Storyboarding portfolio, extremely simple. You need storyboards. <laughs> um, I mean, it sounds basic, um, but that's just how it is. Um, I My base is three sequences. Try and have them be different genres to show off some range, obviously, but still focus on your strengths. Um, and doesn't hurt to have some like character sketches in there, have some personality sketches in there, Com a few comic pages doesn't hurt. Um, none of these are requirements, they're just like pluses, um, but the base is just boarding. Um, for a VizDev portfolio, that's going to be a little bit more complicated. Um, a VizDev portfolio kind of looks like an art of book, mm. you know? Um, you'll want to um, 
show what your focus is. Is it character? Is it environments? But try to have a little bit of everything. Just show some range. If you're doing a character design portfolio, mm -hmm. um, I usually want to see a range of styles unless you really want to get um, pigeonholed into a specific job category. Um, if if you want to do environment, there's a lot of environmental work. A lot of people don't want to do it, so if you can do it, that's a good area to get into because um, everybody needs environmental painters. A lot of people just want to do characters. <laughs> um, but a character, you got to show that range. Um, and also, uh, show your rough work as well as your finished pieces so people can see your process. Uh, see? Mm -hmm. Thank you. I, I just think it's it's mm -hmm. one thing a lot of people just kind of go in like, I don't know what the hell to do. Mm -hmm. um, and, and I think that rings true with everything. Is I, I Definitely in the film business is don't be a jack of all trades. No one oh, wants yeah. that. You've got to be known for the one thing. So that's interesting that that, that uh, carries over. Oh yeah, mm -hmm. no. When I when I first started, I was like, oh, you know, I'm kind of like I do locations, but like I have AD and I like to produce and like mm -hmm. I don't know. I guess I guess I could do some grip work and stuff. And but then no one knows where to put you. Yeah. If you're known to the guy as, hey, this kid is really really into lighting. Mm -hmm. And then when someone brings up, oh, I, I need to fill this lighting spot real quick. I don't. Yeah. And then. That's when you become the image in someone's head. Because I feel like that's also like that's the nature of the hiring process. Like it's it's never like a big thought out like where can I place you? It's like fuck, I have one day to fill this job. Oh God, who help help help? You know. Exactly. <laughs> like, so thank you, thank you for your amazing knowledge and your time. Um, so obviously uh, we want to give this time to you. Obviously, what are you working on? Um, mm -hmm. And obviously, where can we find you? Cool. Um, so actually, right now I am still at uh, Disney TV. Um, for the past few months, I have been full-time developing um, what, you know, is hopefully going to be my own show. Um, and obviously, I can't speak too much about, you know, the, the details, um, but, you know, I'm really excited about it. Hopefully, it goes well. Knock on wood, all that good stuff. Um, and, of course, I am still making my comic, um, you know, nights and weekends. Um, so, you can find that comic at www. Uh, theglassscientists.com that's scientists plural <laughs> um, you can also find me on social media at Arethusa that's a weird spelling it is A-R-Y-T-H-U-S-A that's Twitter Tumblr Facebook sort of not really Facebook uh, mostly Twitter and Tumblr um, Instagram um, and I think I think those are the main ones. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Excellent. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for coming in, Sabrina. I'm super looking forward to whatever you're working on now. I'm sure it will have tons of awesome action and humor and all that good stuff. You guys can find Gravity Falls and Star vs. the Forces of Evil on Hulu, I believe. At least that's uh, where we, we watched, watched it. it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. You got anything to add, Alex? Uh, just super happy that uh, this is all recorded and we got to uh, sit here and listen to it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This was so much fun. I think me and Pappas are going to go have our own talk with the Mouse House. Mm. So keep it cool, <laughs> kids. We'll see you later. Peace out. See you. Bye. Bye.